Hi, I'm Megan. I'm Colin, and this is Pet Sitter Sitter Confessional. Confessional. An open and honest discussion about life as a pet sitter. Brought to you by Time to Pet. With the end of the year at hand, we wanted to bring to you a discussion that is more important than ever before for the pet care industry. Pricing. Your pricing says a lot about you as a business owner. It says a lot about your mindset and what you're willing to do and what you're not willing to do. Today, we're really excited to bring back our roundtable with Natasha O'Banion, Daniel Reitman, and Doug Keeling to discuss their mindsets around pricing. Right now is the perfect time to reassess all of your prices across your services to make sure that your business is actually running the way you want it to. Ultimately, your pricing allows you as a business to do things to invest back into the community, and make sure that you and your staff, if you have them, are earning a livable wage. Let's get started. I wanted to open up with a question with all of you and get your feedback on this. What's the cost of pet care? I mean, I could jump right in. I guess the cost, people always look at it very differently. Like We we actually just raised our prices, and for the most part, very little pushback, but I was going back and forth with a client that I've known for a long time. And he was like, oh, my, my costs have gone up so much. And I was like, because we, we've made a, we've raised our prices by about 15%. And um, it was, I think, about $12 a day for four walks a day for him. But I think people look at it as we don't have any expenses. That's the big thing. I think the, it's a huge thing is perception, is making people aware of like, you know, it's not just me paying this employee. Like for, at least for me and my company. We have a team of managers, we have offices, we have, you know, we have a lot of things that we as a company invest in to make sure that we are delivering the best services possible. And I think that's the big thing is like your cost, yes, is your or your payroll, is your insurance, is your equipment, your gas, and all these things, all these things that your clients aren't aware of. And it's important to find a way, at least I think, to be able to make them aware without being like, well, look at my expenses that I have. There's a there's a nice way to be able to do that. And I think being able to convey costs without doing that is super, super important. So we always say things like, you know, we're investing in our team to ensure that we're able to give your pets the best service as possible. We're investing in making sure that we can compensate our team members at a competitive rate so we keep those team members that you love. It's making them aware of like, hey, this money isn't just going into Dan's vacation fund so I can go to Bora Bora. This is going into the ability for us as a company to grow and invest in our team. I think that's really the, the way cost looks to me. I'm not an accountant either, so you don't want me doing your book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I completely agree with all of that, Dan. Um, another thing that I think people uh, overlook is the opportunity cost. And this is a discussion I have with my team a lot that um, I have sitters that want to do like overnight stays and things like that. And every time we get a request for a gig like that, I say, you know, not only do we have to talk about the hourly costs that I would have to pay you that would go into that, but the opportunity cost of your time away from your family, your fur babies, you don't get to sleep in your home that night. That is a huge cost um, outside of just the financial aspect that we really have to look at and consider as, as pet sitters. Me, I think the cost is just relative to the client perspective, just like as both of you were saying. No one really knows how much a dog walker costs. No one really knows how much a pet sitter costs. I see it in Facebook groups all the time with owners. They're like, how much do you guys think I should be paying? What are you guys paying? What do you guys think I need? People actually really don't even know, right? Before the whole wagon rover thing happened, people had really no idea that they even needed a dog walker. They needed a pet sitter. They thought their dog could just go to a kennel or go to a farm or go to a friend's house, they really have no idea like the options in the pet care industry to start. So they just do crowd surfing far as rates and prices to decide like what they feel should be a great price. Now, the problem is, is that us as a pet industry have decided our personal value to what we're providing. So a lot of us are like, oh, it's, you know, I'm not going to charge you much of anything. It's just, this is an honor. This is a gift. It's the privilege, you know, all those words for me to be able to hang out with your dog and stay in your home. So we put the halo over the clients to make them believe that our cost is only valued by the amount of fun we're having. 
So now the client perception is fun versus value. And in their eyes, they're like, well, I'm doing you a favor at that rate, right? They, you totally switch the dynamic when you put fun to value. So in my mind, when I came into the pet industry to start, you know, coming from the automotive background, we sell high. That's all we know. We know that there is one product and another product and we're going to go high. And when I was looking at competitive rates in the area, I'm like, okay, so I guess like 20 bucks is the roundabout. You know, I think a lot of us have coached like, well, look at the highest person in your neighborhood and then look at the lowest person in your neighborhood and then, then go somewhere in between. And somewhere in between does not afford the ability to actually live a comfortable lifestyle. Mm. So cost is, I love the fact that we're talking about price because price is like a passion topic for me (laughs) because I want us all to live a high quality of life. And at the end of the day, when you're starting to cut price and then when the government's starting to enforce, you know, labor laws, we really just can't even afford to come to your house at the end of the day. So if you you really want to be frank. Well, that's why I wanted to start with the discussion of cost, because we don't consider the cost to us when we talk about prices. All I ever see is a question of how much should I price my services? I very rarely see the question of what is this actually costing me? And I know, Dan, you mentioned there's the cost of all the equipment, the gas, the things like that. Doug, you mentioned the opportunity cost. I could be doing something else, either probably a potential greater value for me at this time. Uh, But what it really is, is understanding that um, I have inherent costs in this that I have to recoup for my business and for myself. And then I start making money on top of that that actually goes into my pocket. Yeah, it's one of the things that we have to bring home for the clients that we're not, like Dan said earlier, we're not just here having fun. Like for yeah. me, just to leave the house. I mean, just from if you're if you're a parent, okay. First of all, just to leave the house is going to cost me to start. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, gas factoring in going around town and driving to different homes to homes, and they you know they see all the animals you have on social media, but they don't figure in how how far those people live away and what it actually costs to get in the car, what it costs in mileage, what it costs in car repairs. So like even before you can even just get to someone's workplace, it's not like a nine to five job where you come in, you park, you pay for parking and you go in, the car sticks. No, the car has to run. It has to, it has to stay functioning. It needs gas. And so the, the cost of gas guys right now keeps going up, but we're not really reflecting our rates to match what, what we're paying to just even start to even have a title on the yeah. business. Well, and I will say that, Natasha, you did touch on this um, fear of charging. And I will say, I recently saw a comment where somebody said, I don't want to charge too much because I feel like when I do, that's too greedy. Or I'm being greedy with my services when I charge high. What? <laughs> Came back. What? Yeah. Okay, yeah. So, Dan, you can continue. <laughs> no, this is actually aligned with this perfectly. So one of the things, you know, the greed thing, because that's something I absolutely ran into in the beginning. When I first started dog walking, I was so uncomfortable charging, I think like 15 bucks for like a 30 minute walk. I charged $80 for overnights and that included walks throughout the day. And at the time, again, I was 22 years old. People would be like, here, eat all my food. And I was like, great. I can eat for the day. I got a cool place to sleep. I can do this. Again, this is 12, 15 years ago. Things were a lot different. It was more of a hobby. Like I didn't plan on creating a business. This was something I was like, all right, it'd be cool if I can make some money on the side. It is now, and I think we're at the point as an industry where we are starting to shift from, you know, this being like a side gig thing to like for me, like we're we're launching salary dog walkers as part of our our company. For me, that is one of the most important things is I want my people to be able to have a good quality life. And like again, no one's gonna be driving a Bentley working for me unless we do some day trading and stuff in between walks. But other than that, I want people to be able to have a good quality of life. I want them to be able to pay their bills, be able to go on some vacation, be able to do things because at the end of the day, that's how you keep people. You know, like some of my best team members have been with me. My, you know, my lead manager, Kristen, she's been with me for seven years. It's not because I've been like, hey, here's some potato chips and you get to hang out with my dog. It's, you know, I'm going to make sure you're, you're getting a comfortable salary. And it's the same thing with dog walkers. We just moved three people up into a role where it's guaranteed 40 hours a week and they're getting a week's paid vacation and we're rolling out all these additional things. So being able to make sure that your pricing allows you to support that. 
is super, super important. I mean, for years, I, li- I lived at my parents' house until I was 30 because I knew building out a management infrastructure and the team that I needed to be able to support my staff was more important than being able to go and have a bunch of fancy stuff. And I think it's really important to make sure that it is built into your pricing and you're not being greedy. You're building a business. This isn't a charity. If you want to run a nonprofit, go start a nonprofit, go volunteer at an animal shelter. But remember, in this industry, this is an industry. This is a space where we're here to make money. Yes, of course, we are here for the well-being of animals. That is the number one thing. But at the end of the day, this is how I pay my bills. This is how I make a living. This is how your staff and my staff make a living. And it's important to remember that whenever you're pricing things out and like, you know, I just raised prices and I still was like, I don't know, people are going to be, and my staff actually talked me down from doing a $4 increase to a $3 increase. I have one client out of over 2000 people say something. I was like, I could have gotten away with an extra dollar. <laughs> you, you overestimate how upset people are going to be. Cause remember, this is your life. This is what you are doing day in and day out. You are a, a, a small fraction of their day. You are not super high on their list of concerns. And chances are a, a dollar or two bump is not going to make or break the bank for most people who are using our services. It comes down to self. It's like it is that self-worth talk or those those beliefs that we may have had in, in maybe our childhood. So money and value go so deep with just your own beliefs. It has nothing to do with being greedy. It has nothing to do with wanting to be a millionaire. It has all to do with how much is this going to cost for me to even leave the home? I love that us three are on this conversation because we have such different perspectives on like our, our past life and how we came into the pet industry. And me coming in as a financial manager, I'm like, okay, I really want to do this. I think it would be great, but I need to figure out what service is even going to make sense. So. I love Renzo Ruby. Those are my two dogs. So clearly it was a passion project. But at the end of the day, I was like, okay, where do I need to be to actually make a living? And for me, I already had a six-figure income at work. And I wasn't having no insurance and no liabilities and no responsibilities and nothing to do. So I'm like, how can I even make this make sense for me to leave my day job and kiss all the dogs like I really want to? How can I make the math make sense? And so it was like, okay, well, if I have to drive around town, I'm not going to make my, my salary back. If you guys are only giving me four hours a day to do this in this time window, I'm not going to make it back. So there's so many variables that we already have in the pet industry to, to supply the demand that we need to think about. And so please, guys, do not think about, oh, well, I don't think I can charge that much. You know, know your worth. Nothing is about know your worth or, or greed. It's all about what you can articulate to the client. And like we were saying, you can charge an extra dollar. $3 to $1 is the same thing in a client perspective, but we cannot judge our value on our clients' pocketbooks. We don't know what they have going on over there. We don't know what they're going to do, but we know based on math and process and data what it's going to cost. And so that's why we have these conversations to write it all out, okay? If I only have a four-hour time window, if I only, you know, offer this if, if I only have two staff members, how much does that actually equate? And I think we get into this pickle because like Dan said, we do come in it as a, as a hobbyist. So we, we, we did kind of sculpt the industry and I, and I teach my clients every day, we feed the beast. We did this. Okay. We all came in like, Oh, it's cool. We're just gigsters. We're gigsters. And then we're like, well, actually the government just said, I can't do ICs anymore. So, Oh crap. What am I going to do? Oops. That's going to cost $10 extra. <laughs> you know. So we got to start looking at all these variables. And I love that we have the Pet Sitter Confessional podcast to open the eyes of new and upcoming upcoming pet sitters and dog walkers to let them know, listen, if you're coming in as a hobbyist or or a mega business star, we got to talk. <laughs> we got things to work out before you even can jump in and say, I'll take my first deal. Make sense? Yeah, those are all great points. Those are all great points. I when I started pet sitting in 2013, the most money I had ever made in my entire life was $7.47 an hour. And I thought I was making bank at 7.47 an hour. I was I thought I was living on the high horse. 
And so I, the, when I first started pet sitting, I had no idea how to price my services. I didn't know what the expenses would be, what the opportunity costs would be. So the fact of even making a dime to get to hang out with the dog, I was like so many of the people that we see in the Facebook groups. I was like, oh, I'll pay you to hang out with your dog. This yeah. is amazing. This is the best thing ever. And then, and I operated my quote unquote business like that for the first year. I say that because it wasn't really a business when you're operating like that. Yeah. And then when it came time for me to bring on my first person at month 11, I had to sit down and basically completely start over from scratch because I didn't know what money was coming in. I didn't know what money was going on out. I didn't know what my profit margins were. I didn't know how to increase my profit margins. I didn't know anything about anything. And I had been doing this for almost a year. So it was a huge reset for me where I had to sit down and learn how to build a spreadsheet, how to track your expenses, how to figure out what your profit margin is for each visit. And then how do you use all of those numbers to go and determine how many hours you can give a new uh, person on your team? How much can you pay them? Can you give them any benefits? Uh, And then you have all the other expenses that start coming in when you're not a solo walker, such as workers comp and like yada, yada, yada. I mean, that's a whole nother uh, conversation there. But um, I think the earlier that you can start to think like an actual business and think about those expenses, build your spreadsheet, learn. It's, it's It's not the fun stuff, but it is the stuff that will keep you in business. And allow you to do the fun stuff, too. I mean, I, I will say, like, Doug, I was just like you, except I did it longer. I think I operated the dark for, like, almost five years. Like, if you came to me my first five years of business, asked me what my margins were, what my profits were. It was an absolute mess. Like my books were non-existent. I just knew I paid my bills. I paid my employees, but I was in this constant. And again, I was terrible with money in my twenties. I was very lucky that this business was successful early on. So I was just burning cash, doing all sorts of stupid stuff, but being able to sit down and, you know, cause if you're just starting out, you might think like, Oh, I don't need this. Oh my God. Please, like I'm talking to 22 year old me right now. Sit down, figure out your numbers, and if you're not good at it, find somebody who can. Like, there are so many amazing resources out there. Like, Colin, I am so grateful for you and your wife doing this podcast because I wish I had something like this when I started because I was just a bumbly idiot, stumbling in the dark, having no idea what I was doing. And, you know, there are so many amazing resources out there. You know, there is just so much that you can learn. Put the foundation together now, and it doesn't have to be perfect. As you grow, as you build your financial resources up, you could hire people. Like, I'm working with Natasha right now because, like, we're so busy that I don't have the ability to standardize some of the things we've grown so quickly over the last few years. There's so many things that we have to do. Being able to have that money in the bank. COVID, again, was a perfect example. Like, you want to make sure you know what your numbers are so you know, all right, I got to save this much money. Make sure you have a rainy day fund because, man, March 24th, 2020, I definitely wish I did. But instead, I was crying with a glass of whiskey telling all 50 of my employees I had to put them on furlough. And it was one of those things where it was, I didn't know what I was going to do. It was the first time in my entire life. My income, like this has always been my baseline. I built a nonprofit organization while running this business. I built a tech company and sold it. But this has allowed me to do everything. And all of a sudden, the rug got pulled out from under me. Being able to be aware of what your expenses are is one of the most important things in the world because that's how you're going to be able to figure out your costs. So if you take one thing, at least for me today, make sure you know your numbers because at the end of the day, all your decisions should be data-driven. Like, I didn't do it that way for a long time, and there are things that worked out because of it, but there was also a lot of headaches that I caused myself because I wasn't, like, doing a good financial plan for the business. I didn't have my books in order. Like, you need to be able to make decisions based on the numbers because, like, putting your head in the sand while it might reduce your anxiety temporarily, man, that anxiety's come rare in its ugly head, and so will the financial problems that come with it. It's not being able to afford a cushion. 
like running on a day-to-day operation, we have to be able to afford it. And at the end of the day, yeah. it starts off with the client. We can't afford to have rating a fund if we're not making the profit. We can't afford yeah. to take on new clients and scale and hire more staff if we're not making a profit. We can't afford to give clients really great gifts and roll out that wow factor that we all love to do so much. We just simply can't afford it when we're running so thin. So someone has to pay for it. And I think what we need to do as an industry is just build more value. You know, I wrote in the Twitter Confessional Facebook group, why are we not charging $1 per minute? We've always charged $15 for 15 minutes. That has always been an industry quote unquote standard since I've been in the pet industry. So if we can do it for 15 minutes, why can't we do it at 30? Why can't we do it at 45? Why are we not doing it at 60? You know, some of the clients I coach, I'm like, you're offering a 60-minute walk, but you're only charging $12 extra, but you charge them at 30 full pop? How does that even make sense? (laughs) So you're going to give a whole extra 30 minutes, but you charge them the full pop at the first 30, but the second 30, they're going to get a half half break? How are you even going to make money? (laughs) Who told you this? Who, Who set this up? So I, I always challenge can... us every day, like who made these pricing? This this is not even like McDonald's pricing. You know, McDonald's had a huge lawsuit years ago because their value meal wasn't really a value meal. <laughs> that was a huge lawsuit. And that should be the same thing for the pet industry. There's no deal. <laughs> I think we could be our, our own worst enemy when it comes to this stuff. Because like one, one thing you never, ever want to do when it comes to pricing, I got myself out of this. I, somebody early on told me, if you get into a price war, it's a race to the bottom. Because there's always going to be somebody who's willing to come in for a dollar less, $2 less. You know, I look on, you know, pla- platforms like Wagon Rover are great for doing gig work and stuff like that. Like, if you want to be able to do these things in different cities and stuff like that and kind of get jobs and not have to worry about the infrastructure, it's fantastic. But even on there, if you if you try to undercut everybody, you know, you're just going to push yourself to the bottom. Whereas, you know, there's a psychology behind more expensive things. There's perceived value when when something is priced higher. There's an assumption that's made. Okay, maybe I am getting a little bit for my money. And it's it's like Natasha was saying, it's really important to convey that information and make sure people understand, you know, what that money goes towards in a way that you know makes sense client facing. But as an industry. We have to stop undervaluing our time because I, you know, we are with the pet pet industry as a whole is a hundred billion dollar a year industry, and I think the dog walking pet sitting space is the smallest sliver. It's I think it's one point seven billion or something like that a year. Um, so we're just the tiny, tiny fraction of this huge, huge thing. So you have to realize we're maybe two percent of this hundred billion dollar space. People are willing to spend so much money on their pets and that you need to make sure that you are pricing yourself correctly so you can deliver the value. Cause you know, if you're char- if you decide, you know what, I do need to increase my price by an extra $3 a walk. Now for an individual client, it's an extra, what is that? An extra, uh, 60 bucks a month, mm-hmm. but you now multiply that times a couple of hundred clients that gives you the money to maybe hire a full-time manager, which then means you can then step back and you know you can see the iceberg. You could start to guide the ship a little better, and you could focus on the growth and development of the company. Or you can put out different kinds of programs. Like you know, Natasha does amazing work with she's doing ecom stuff right now. There are so many great things that you can do with this money, and also you know bonuses and things like that, stuff to keep your team around. Like we as an industry, if we start to increase our prices in a way that makes sense and it's done unilaterally across the country. And obviously there's going to be different prices based on different demographics, like parts of the country where you're at. But if we keep doing this race to the bottom thing, like you're only hurting yourself. Cause like, I'm telling you right now, I'm done with it. I'm like, I'm cool. Even if I'm five bucks more than my competition, like I know that I'm currently the most expensive company in my service areas. I'm fine with that because people are willing to pay for you get what you pay for and people are willing to pay for my services because they know that you know i always say we're not in the dog walking business we're in the peace of mind business so when you hire us you can breathe you can know that you can go about your day you can go on vacation you can you know take your wife to the hospital because she's having a baby or this is happening like the dogs the cats all the animals in our care they're they're getting the love the attention and the services that they need so you can go about your day as a pet owner 
Yeah, and I, I think what you're what we're touching on here is this the value that we're bringing to people, uh, and, yeah. and how these services are structured around their life. I think I read a stat recently that said something like thirty percent of dog owners would pay for their dog's medical needs before their own medical needs. That should yeah. tell you how people are perceiving their pets. Uh, Doug, when it comes to understanding the value that we're bringing to our clients, how do we start wrapping our brains around that? Yeah, uh, there's a lot of things you can do. And perceived value that that Dan touched on is so, so important. And that is something that I did not understand my first several years in business. And I kept getting problematic clients because I had bottom-of-the-barrel prices. Um, I thought if I had the lowest prices around, I'd be able to get the most clients and that that would be just the best thing ever to have all the clients, you know, who knows what my profit margin is on these clients. Who cares? (laughs) I just want the clients. And, um, but they were, they were problematic clients and it got to the point where we were going to areas of town that we did not want to be in. We were doing gigs that we just were not comfortable with. And as I started to raise my prices and offer more things with our services, we stopped getting those kinds of clients. And we started getting clients, you know, in the waterfront, beachfront homes. And I can tell you, it is always better to work with two or three of those high roller clients than 20 of the bottom of the barrel clients. Those clients will burn you out. They will make you question your entire existence. But those high roller clients that see the value that you are bringing to their lives they will pay for that and they will appreciate you. They will stick with you for the long run. You know, those bottom of the barrel clients, they're discount chasers. They're there for the discount. And as soon as you start to raise your prices to what you think you should be charging, you're going to lose those clients. So just go ahead and, and market yourself, market your services and provide enough value within your services that you can charge what you need to charge to to give your team a good living wage and give yourself a good living wage. And, and those clients will stick with you way longer than those bottom-of-the-barrel clients. Are you looking for new pet sitting software? Doug actually has quite a lot to say about it. Time to Pet has made managing my team and clients so much easier. Our clients love the easy-to-use app and scheduling features, and our sitters love being able to have all of their information organized and easily accessible. My favorite feature is the instant messaging. By keeping conversations on Time to Pet, we are able to monitor our team and ensure nothing ever falls through the cracks. Are you looking for new pet sitting software in the new year? Give Time to Pet a try. Listeners of our show save 50% off your first three months by going to tiedpet.com slash confessional. There, there is a pushback on that where somebody will say, but I live in a really small market. I live in a really rural part of, of my town or my area. I can't charge those high prices. Um, what am I supposed to do in my area? You can charge whatever the resorts are charging. Your clients who live in a small royal town are going to Jamaica they're going to Mexico. They're visiting families all across the world. And those rates are not changing when they get there. United, yeah. you know, United, Southwest, they're not changing their rates based on where you live in the world. Are they? No. They're the same flights and they're going to the same locations as everybody else. And no price has changed based on where they live. Clients will pay for whatever they want to pay for. They don't have to be, you know, millionaire clients. Like you just said earlier, Colin, they will pay for what they value. They will go to the dog's vet bill before they already go to their own insurance. And we're not saying anything about what they're willing to do. We're just saying that, listen, the pet is equally your child. So, yes, you are doing the right choice and the right decision by putting your pet first. We're not saying, oh, well, they're willing to pay for it, so let's charge it. We're not saying that at all. We're saying that the client understands that their dog is equal to their child, and we should understand that too. One of my mentors told me, if you are the lowest, you cannot be the best, period. Yeah, You cannot be the best if you are the lowest. So always remember that when you are writing out your pricing. Wait, the, what, the thing that us, all three of us, you know, Bad to the Bone, Renzo, Ruby, and Dan's Pet Care have in common is we saw the value to go ahead and rebrand our entire brand. 
These yeah. are brands that were already six-figure brands living on their own. But even us three saw that we needed to hire the best branding in pet care, Doc's Design, and go ahead and do a facelift. All of us. Yeah. Why? Because we know that we're rolling out the rates. We're like, yo, this brand right now is going to add an extra $5 on every service. They're going, someone's paying for that. And the clients are like, whoa, we see exhibit A that's charging this. And then we see rollout, super cool, clean lines, modern, you know, living in the, the new century with me on a brand face, like any other brand that they're supporting, like a Starbucks, right? They see that brand loyalty now and they're like, whoa, this is why I'm going to be paying more money because look at them and then look at you. At the end of the day, we do judge books by their cover. And that's the first thing we look at first. Hey, oh, this is a really cool cover. Oh, wow. Look, look at the back. Look at the font. Look at, look, look at, look at the paper they're using. That all means something. So just start there. But we all can tell you that you don't have to have those facelifts to make money. We've all have made money. But we do understand what it does inquire when you're trying to raise rates and have a sustainable business. We want to go the legacy route here. We want to go the peace of of mind route. And if we're killing ourselves as providers, we cannot provide from an empty vessel. I will say that one more time. We cannot give anything from an empty vessel. And if you guys are running around town, forgetting your last name, haven't had meals, wondering when you're going to see your family again because you're killing yourself in this game, we got to at least make it make sense. The profit's got to make sense. The joy in our hearts of the rewards got to make sense. And being able to see the income in our bank account and have an emergency fund, that all has to make sense. And it comes to price. Yeah. Also on the pricing stuff. So I'm a bit of a bleeding heart. Um, So usually when there is a situation where you know, I, we've come across clients who, you know, they've had some terrible loss in their lives or something horrible has happened. They're not in a good financial situation. At the end of the day, for me, it's always about the well-being of the animal. But when you're priced correctly, that gives you breathing room on the other side of things. That gives you the ability to be able to like, you know what, this person really does need my help. I'm going to give them a deal. Now, you don't want to make this your business model. Ruby's very excited. You don't want to make this your business model, but like again, like it depends on who you are as a person. I've always said that my heart is kind of my biggest weakness when it comes to business, but at the same time, I think it's one of the things that has really helped me over the years. Is like you never know who who somebody knows. So for me, I will go out of my way to help people that are not in a good situation, but it's because I have my pricing at a point where I can afford. All right, I'm going to give this person a deal just because you know I want to make sure their animal has what they need. And it's really important to be able to do that. And also, like Natasha is saying with the brand, this is my old logo. We haven't gotten our new shirts in yet. But like, if if and when you can afford it, building your pricing up is going to give you that little buffer. And you know, working with an amazing company like Docs, it initially might seem like, well, this is a big investment, especially if you're a couple, just a couple years in. Man, when I tell you it is so worth it, like I look, so I have my old pickup truck out front of my building, and then I have my new pickup truck. My old, it looks, it looks, it's it's so bad compared to like the new branding. It's just it. We look like before we look. We look like We look like a brand that's going to be scaling nationally, and that's the whole thing. Is you know perceived value. It's not just about what your prices are. It's about like what people see. Like your website, your social media. That is your modern day storefront. You know we're we're not opening brick and mortar businesses like we used to you this is how people are seeing you and if your stuff kind of looks like you know some random clip art flopped together and it just kind of looks like and eh, there's no cohesive nature to what it looks like not everyone's going to see that but a big big chunk of our clientele are these millennials are the what's the, the younger gen, gen z gen z the young people generation those young whatever they are the, the young blood <laughs> they look at this and they do pay attention to this stuff. This is a much more educated consumer base than the older generation. These are people who are aware. They do know the market. They do their homework. Their pets, boomers love their pets. Millennials and everyone below, they are family. Like it is, it is such a growing trend toward, you know, a lot of people aren't having kids anymore. They're having, they're getting pets. And they are, for me, like Ruby, I've had her only a week. I would die for her. She is my family. I love her so much. And that's something that people want to see is like, who are you hiring? 
who is, it's not just like, you know, even if you're a solo company, when I first started, I would answer the phone in a different voice and I would be like, hi, this is blah, blah, blah. Oh, let me transfer you to Dan. I'd put it on hold. And then I would answer it in a different voice. I would always say we, I would always say us when it was just me, because I knew perception wise, you know, I don't like the term fake it till you make it, but sometimes it's really about managing expectations and managing that perception. Cause I knew I eventually would have employees like, but again, like Natasha's saying too, you will burn yourself out. My first two years in, uh, in the industry, I spent over 300 days sleeping in other people's homes. And that second holiday season, I was working, and this is not an exaggeration, 19 hours a day, seven days a week, to the point where on New Year's Day, I woke up at a client's house. I couldn't see straight, threw up, and my brother had to come drive me from house to house to house because I couldn't see. Like I, I was able to get the dogs. I got home. I had 103 fever. I had burned myself out so badly to the point where I was like, okay, fine. I'll hire an employee. Don't do that. <laughs> it's not <laughs> worth it. I missed so many holidays, so many family events. Like I also am very aggressive with the way I'm trying to grow my business. So I am trying to work on how to do that better. But at the end of the day, like if this is something you're passionate about and this is the career you want to be in, you got to make sure you build the right foundation for yourself. Like learn from my mistakes because I wish I could go back in time and be like, hey, stupid, you should probably go talk to some people who actually know what they're doing instead of just being an arrogant, awful 22 year old who thinks he knows everything. Go learn from people. Again, I don't know everything, but I, can, I want people to learn at least from my mistakes so they can be better and push the industry forward. Because selfishly, the more people can learn from me, Colin, Tasha, Doug, and all the other amazing people in our space, it's just going to level up the industry as a whole. And the more we level up, the more we'll be able to charge, the more services we'll be able to offer, the better we'll be able to be as a space. And I think it's just something that's going to only just improve everyone's quality of life. Even if you are a solopreneur and you plan to stay there, I'll register you the question. Would it be better to service 20 high quality ideal avatar clients at a premium rate versus having only 20 of the lowest clients you can get that are always questioning everything you're doing and not giving you the value (laughs) that you're giving to them? If I was a solopreneur, man, if I was doing Natasha, when I first started doing solo business by myself and I only did solo for two months because I was like, "Uh -uh, I can't do this. If I did this again, I'd be charging $50 per client, doing this all over again. $50 per client, I would only take 20 clients. If I was a solopreneur, that'd be my strategy. And guess what? 50 p- 20 people would pay those rates because there's always 100%. someone out there willing to take what you have. Everyone has something to offer. You know, I could sell the crap out of why solopreneur is the best option for your family. I can sell the crap out of why having a company is the best option for your family. We're not saying which route you should go on. You take whichever route you want to, but you hold that line and you be the best and the greatest that ever was in your space. And you get that money because you deserve it. Hell yeah, you deserve it. (laughs) You work hard for it. Yeah, I I think, you know, what I love here is we're we're talking about this kind of triangle of cost, price, and value. You know, again, we start off by talking about the cost is what we incur as a business, as an individual to provide the service. The price is what we offer our service to the client, what they're going to pay. And the value is what they receive. And it's connecting the dots through there. And Natasha, you mentioned finding that avatar, finding that client so that all of those line up exactly how you want, because then that's what's going to start getting people to come to you and they will be attracted to your business eventually. I can imagine all the things I would give to my clients if I'm at that premium rate. Like I like, we all like to give back and we all like to treat our clients well. We like to rule out the word carpet. We like to give the wow factor. If I have all this extra money that I'm like 20% just goes to just wowing my client socks off, like how amazing would that feel? We got to remember that price comes with a feeling. And if you can make someone feel good or feel pampered or just really taken care of, they will remember that forever. And that's really, guys, what we pay for is that feeling. I want to get that high again. I want to get that chase that when I go into that business, oh, they take care of me and my babies. Oh, I can't wait to get back to them. Oh, how much is this going to cost? Whatever. Just take it. Just take my money. Because I want that feeling. 
And when I go on vacation and I know that my dog is cared for and my cats and my birds and the goats are good and I'm getting these cool photos and these emotions that I can just feel how you feel about me and my family, that price is priceless. There's no ticket for that. And as us four, we're all dog owners and, and cat owners. We know what it's like. There's no price. Whatever they charge for Renzo and Ruby, it's getting paid, period. I don't care what the price is because you, my friend, are the best in town and I want you every single time. Yeah, it's it's very important to remember, you know, people won't always remember what you did, but they'll always remember how you made them feel. Like that's like how our brains work. So it is very, very important. And also, like Natasha's saying, being able to take that extra money and invest in your client, your first thought might be like, well, you know, I kind of would like to give myself a bonus or this. I'll tell you, I put a lot of money into things we give to our clients and things that we do and events that we host and things like that. You get that money back tenfold. Like you, you, you need to be comfortable not only with, you know, pricing yourself correctly, but investing in not only your team, but investing in your clients. Cause those little things like this holiday season, we're sending out a bunch of um, stuff from our store completely free to our clients. Um, like our, our, our people who spend like a fair amount of money with us. But it's because one, they spend a ton of money with us and I want to give back to them. But I also know I I like the stuff that I made. I will wear it. And I know it's something that people now see it out. It's going like perfect example. Doug did a post about a shirt that uh, he bought from us. I think within 10 minutes, we got two sales. So things like that. People will post these things. People will share this stuff. It's important to make sure you're putting money back into it. Like, yes, the price increase is great. You can pay yourself more money. But you also have, you can't think short term. You got to think long term. Like, what can this do? Like, we've been doing some like Instagram lives, or I've just been like randomly like, hey, we're giving away some stuff. DM us your address and I'll send you a hoodie. Those kinds of things, it might not, you know, it'll cost me 30, 20 bucks in that moment. But that person might go ahead and then post something on social. Their friends see it, they tag us, we give them the link. Boom, we just sold another thing. Then it just kind of becomes this beautiful feedback cycle. It's the same thing, like Natasha saying, you roll out that red carpet for your clients, they are going to have such a good experience. They are your best advertisement. Like I do car wraps, I do all these other things to get the name out there. I'd say 70% of my business comes from word of mouth. It's just, I can't believe, like for me, anytime there's a touch point with a client, my number one goal is to make sure that they walk away from it being like, holy crap, I can't believe that was a dog walking company. Because there's this perception of what a dog walking or a pet sitting company is. It's something that, you know, someone does, as a, you know, it's a local neighborhood kid or someone doing this as a hobby. Like, no, I, like, I, I plan on building a billion dollar company in our space. Like, I plan on being a huge force to be reckoned with. And I think that that is where we need to be thinking. Again, that's, if, that's what you want to build. And again, like, I agree with Natasha, go the solopreneur route, go the company route, whatever you want to do. But go at it with tenacity and the mindset of like, I want to make this the best that I possibly can. Yeah, yeah. I think it's important to remember that there is a market for everything everywhere. So if yeah. you are a, someone in a, a rural community somewhere and you're worried about raising your prices, think about who you want to be working with and what those people care about and then focus on that. You know, sometimes those people, the, the free uh, hoodie that Dan's talking about, that could be your end to get in with those people. There's a market for everything everywhere. Uh, for us right now, you know, we've we raised our prices twice this year, once in January and then once just last month. We lost no clients over it. No one complained, and I am using a huge chunk of that price increase to pay for uh, like actual portraits done by a local artist um, for our top clients of their pets. And uh, he's doing a couple for us each month. I'm sending them out as as I get them. And every single one of those portraits, they cost me like 30, 40 bucks. And those clients are going, they're showing their neighbors, they're showing their friends, they're posting it on social media, which is getting more people like them. People that I thought I had no way of getting as clients just a year ago. Now I figured out what they care about. I figured out how to give them that. And now they'll pay my rate. We have to decide where we can get the cash. The cash is in somebody else's pocket. So if you do not feel comfortable, number one, let me just say this unpopular opinion that has been taught in the pet care so far, and you guys know I'm always good for unpopular opinion. 
you do not need a rate increase letter to your client as a pet sitter. If you are a pet sitter and you raise your rate, guess what? The next time they go on your website and book that service, they're going to see the increased rate. So if you get an anxiety right now about writing an increased letter and telling your clients rates are going to be increased, you do not have to do that. Chipotle does not send me a letter every time they raise guac. They do not do that <laughs> because pet sitter is a signed agreeable service at start to finish. So once you finish that agreement and you clocked out of the last pet sit, that agreement is now over into the next time they sign up again. You only need rate increase letter if you're offering a recurring dog walking monthly revenue service where you're changing their subscription. That is when you provide the increase letter. But if they have said, I need January 1st to January 10th, after January 10th, it's fair game again. Don't be afraid to just put the rates up on your website and rock with it. Also, if you don't want to give that letter out to your current clients, change the rates for your new clients. Put it on your website. We did a whole test in Automated CEO. All of my current clients Automated CEO are at least at $1, $1 per minute or pretty close to $1 per minute, every single one of them. We did a test that put it on your website. Every new client booked $30. Every new client. They were like, holy crap. Are you kidding? I said, oh, you have a wait list? Oh, you're not taking in new clients? Okay, cool. So it's a no-risk situation then, right? Mm -hmm. Go ahead and put it on your website. Let's see who booked. Bullshit you not. They kept getting clients booking 30, booking 30, booking 30. They're like, oh, shoot, I got to raise my new. I said, don't get all fancy and try to raise your rates now on your current clients. <laughs> Leave them alone because that wasn't our plan. But go ahead and get your new clients at the same capacity as your current client. And then you can go messing around with your current client. But if you guys like, listen, I don't know about this, guys. This all sounds weird. I don't want to do it. I don't want to write the letter. Don't write the letter. Don't write it. Don't do anything. Just edit on your website your new pricing and watch how many people book your new rates and then go from there. That's going to give you an instant confidence boost. That's everybody's homework for this week. <laughs> if you're, and if you're feeling weird about doing it, I'm again, I'm working with Natasha right now. She's making me do this. I feel weird about it. We're still doing it though, because again, you know, Natasha and I have, we have different backgrounds and I worked as a uh, vet tech for years and I started this business and everything I've learned, I've learned basically on the job. She came with a completely set, different set of skills, different background. And you know what? I'm, I'm leaning on her to be like, you know what? Let's give this a shot. I'm getting pushed back from some team members on it. But at the end of the day, you got to sometimes just take the leap and you got to trust that at the end of the day, if you give the information, like we've been saying, the people who are willing to pay your prices are the people that you want. You don't want bargain hunters. I met, I did a Groupon when Groupon first came out. The time it was great because it was great marketing exposure. I look back on it. I was making like $6 a walk off of the group. Don't discount anything. Discounts are terrible. I hate them. We just phased out packages. Charge what you're worth. And listen to Natasha. She's got really good ideas. She knows what she's talking about. <laughs> All of that crazy, crazy ideas. Yeah. It's just so refreshing to have the conversation. Yeah. Last thing I want to say, and I want to leave it to you guys, because I love hearing you guys talk all the time. If you guys also are nervous about raising rates, look at Dan's business right now. He just rolled out e-com. Look at Doug's business right now. He's rolling out e-com. He has a great YouTube channel. You guys, if you don't want to raise rates right now, raise it somewhere else. Go open up a store. Go start online training course. I'm a huge proponent of all online things right now. Post-COVID, yeah. I am not running business the way that I ran business before COVID. Everything is different. and Everything I coach is entirely different post-COVID. If you do online training, now you have a revenue gen that's going to be helping you get those rates. If you're just really afraid to do it, it's the Money Off online training course. It is a clickable why you sleep training program and someone can buy it and you can make money there yourself an online store you got print on demand options there's just no reason why you shouldn't be making money while you're sleeping to overcompensate what you're doing in the field so if you're in city life or royal suburbia and you're like you know what i'm just so guilty i can't do it fine be that person but get money somewhere else so you can compensate yourself because we don't want whatever way you shake this hat we don't want you burning yourself down to do so and money is the answer when it comes to doing business. Business yeah. means money, guys. Okay, period. Now, if you want to have friends and lovers and relationships, that's different. But business <laughs> equals profit. 
<laughs> profit first in business. Yeah. <laughs> and if you are looking to set up a store, don't worry about like, oh my God, I don't have money for inventory. We didn't do that. We use Printful. Printful is amazing. You could have this huge catalog of all these amazing products and you don't have to do anything. People buy it. You get your cut. Printful prints, ships it, everything. Like until we know exactly what our market wants, that's what we're doing. And once we get to a point where we're getting a steady flow of, of clientele buying our merch, then we'll start to produce our stuff on our own. It's very, very low risk. I highly, highly recommend it. Um, but it's definitely, you know, like Natasha is saying, like Doug and myself are doing, you got to diversify your income stream. You know, we, we built a online dog training course that we launched during the pandemic. We started our e-com stuff. We're working on affiliate sales. We're building out a ton of blog content right now. We're Moro and I are going to be relaunching podcast stuff. We're going to be doing a whole bunch, like do all these things. And again, remember by pricing high enough, you could pay people to do the dog walking. You could hire managers and then you get to do the fun stuff like filling pools with tennis balls and eating dog treats on the internet. Cause those are the only things that I like doing. Mm. <laughs> may need to talk about that last one. <laughs> <laughs> so, and go subscribe to Doug's YouTube channel. It's amazing. He's putting yes. out fantastic, like, this is the kind of stuff that I wish existed. Like every question you're going to have, if you're, especially if you're new to this, go on his YouTube. He's answering all of this stuff and he's doing it well. It is good, helpful stuff. There is so much content. You're walking dogs all day. Pop your headphones in. Listen to a YouTube video. Listen to this podcast. There's so much great information out there. You can be learning all the time. I appreciate that, Dan. Thank you. Uh, one of the whole reasons I created this YouTube channel was, A, because something like this didn't exist. Like the Pet Center Confessional podcast, these things did not exist when all of us started our businesses. And I know that had this podcast existed eight years ago, I would be running a million-dollar business right now. And and I will be able to run a million dollar business very soon because of the things that I learned through all three of you and the community that Colin and Megan had built. I mean, we're all in this together. We're all learning together. And those of you that get stressed and anxious when it comes to these pricing questions or anything else like this, I mean, you can always reach out to me on Facebook. I know Natasha, you know, you've got a great thing set up helping people. I mean, uh, we're all in this together in the pet industry. And I think uh, a lot of people don't value this community as much as they should and use it, you know, use us. Yeah. We've made the mistakes. We want to help you make good decisions because like Dan said, if we're raising the bar for the entire industry and if everyone is making better decisions, then we can all do yeah. bigger, better things together. That's what it's all about. Yeah, the, the industry overall, the pet industry from 2019 to 2021, increased by $12 billion. It was like 11% jump over two years. During a pandemic where the economy collapsed, this went up. Like, this is a booming, booming business. And again, I every single possible mistake you could have made, I've made it 10 times over. Everything you could have done wrong, every single mistake you could make with clients, employees, I used to make employees cry. I was terrible. I am happy to help answer any questions. DM me on Instagram. DM the company. Like, I'm here to help. We, we all want to see you succeed. Yeah, absolutely. I know we all recognize that there's a chronic problem in undercharging and undervalued businesses because we don't perceive that value in ourselves. And when we talk about how we change that, it starts with one person at a time. It starts with recognizing that you have value, you have worth, that you're worth something. And sharing that with others. And I'm so happy to have this conversation today to start lifting people and hopefully encouraging them to take another hard look at their numbers to allow them to start seeing where those costs are, then recognizing the value that their clients receive because of their services. That takes some time. That takes some understanding. And so uh, I really appreciate this conversation with, with, with you all. It's been enjoyable and thoroughly uh, entertaining as always. Um, but I want people to reach out to you to get connected, to start picking your brains. Um, so Natasha, how can people start learning from you? I just want to say shout out to Colin and Megan for expanding to Springfield. Hoorah oh. on them. You guys <laughs> you, can just call them and guys. take their brains about that transition and what that cost is going to look like being in a whole new territory. Yeah. 
love you guys. And I'm like, I've just, you just, even you guys, I've seen so much evolve just from day one on Pet Sitter Confessional to now. I'm like, look at you guys over there doing big boy things, changing <laughs> up the game already. So you guys stay tuned to this podcast because they're going to be having a lot to say about that experience on its own. But you can catch me on the Monday episodes. I love coming in. I love talking to you guys. I love hearing your feedback. My heart's passion is just changing the pet game. You know, when I quit my job, everyone was like, you're crazy. How are you going to leave Lexus and go pick up poop? What the hell are you thinking? Are you okay? Are you depressed? And I'm like, no, I got a game plan and I'm going to do this. And it's going to be great. I'm going to do it with Renzo and Ruby, okay? So you guys can pick all of our brains. We all love you guys. We all want to support you. But it is so important for all four of us to really change the pet game. What we have seen in the 1990s and the early 2000s, it's old school and we're not doing it anymore. We're moving this thing forward and we invite you to jump on the bus with us and help us. So see me on Monday, Pet City Confessional right here. Or send me a DM and we'd love to help you. Doug, you have a lot going on on your YouTube channel as referenced before where there's just a ton of information and you're knocking those questions out of the park. Um, How can people get with you? Yeah, uh, check me out on YouTube. It's Bad to the Bone Pet Care on YouTube. Uh, Look me up on Facebook, Bad to the Bone Pet Care there or Doug Keeling um, and Bad to the Bone Pet Care on Instagram as well. You can email me if you have any questions, want to uh, schedule a Zoom call with me. That's Doug at badtothebonepetcare.com. You know, I, I love just answering any questions I can. Like I said, we're all in this together. We all want to raise the bar for the entire industry. And like Natasha said, just huge shout out to Colin and Megan. I mean, I'm, I'm watching your Facebook posts with, about the expansion into Springfield. And I am so excited for you guys. And I cannot wait to see uh, what you put into the podcast about this transition process it's going to be so exciting (laughs) thank you it's definitely been a learning process for us Uh, a lot of growth uh, as well Uh, dan um you've got a lot going on uh with your rebrand and everything but um where can people get in touch with you so i'm gonna i'm gonna hop on the bandwagon and say big shout out to colin and megan one congrats on the expansion but two again seriously you guys have done a fantastic job creating such a large library of content and resources for people in our industry. So for for real, if you haven't subscribed to these guys yet, hit follow, hit subscribe, hit all the buttons on whatever platform you're on, just do it. While you're there though, go ahead and look up, let's talk about cool animals. It's not a pet industry podcast, but it's me and my media director, Moro, talking about all things relating to animals. So we have three segments. One is called Cool Animal People, where we interview people like Dr. Evan Anton. We just had Christina Mittermeier. These are people who I'm like blown away that they're even willing to talk to us. Um, we also have Wiped Out Wednesdays, where we talk about really cool extinct animals from history. And then we have our base podcast, which is Let's Talk About Cool Animals, where we talk about specific animals um, from all sorts of really cool stories about a pigeon named Cherimé who shaved over, saved over 200 people's lives during World War One. All sorts of amazing stuff. Um, as far as company and me, um, we're at Dan's Pet Care across the board. So Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Oh, please go follow us on TikTok. We're trying to grow our TikTok. So we're way too over leveraged on Instagram. Um, our YouTube channel, we are buffering up content. You can visit my website. If you want to contact me personally, I'm Daniel Reitman across the board. All one word, Daniel Reitman. Um, Instagram, DM me, DM the company. It'll get to me at some point. So if you have any questions for me, I'm more than happy. And last plug is if you're interested in checking out some of the amazing merch that Doug bought, it's danspetcare.com slash store. We have a ton of amazing stuff that was designed by the wonderful team at Docs Design. So those are all of my things. Go check it out. But again, I'm here to help. Pick my brain. This is what I'm here for. Yeah. And thank yeah. you. Yeah. Uh, it's been, again, thanks so much. I'll have links to people can click on those on the website, show notes and all that stuff. Cause there's just, as you all mentioned, there's a ton of information out there. There's a ton of resources. We don't have to be doing it alone. We don't have to be a feeling like we're the only ones struggling with the things or, or the pricing or how, how we work through this. You don't have to try and answer all those questions in your own brain. There are places to get those. Those are good resources that we can all get plugged in. And that's what's really going to help us be all better at the end of the day and help make the industry what we all really want it to be, which is the best possible. So, again, thank you all so much for coming on the show today. It, it really means an awful lot. What do you want your business to be able to do for you? 
That was one of my biggest takeaways from my conversation with Dan, Doug, and Natasha, is that our businesses get to do things in and of themselves, and they can only do things if we're making money to do them. You want to give a Christmas gift to your clients in 2022? Have good pricing to give you that margin. Want to be able to donate to a good charity from your business? Have good pricing to do that. Want to earn more money to do things in your life, to go places, to travel, to see things with family, or to go off on new adventures? Have pricing that allow you to do that or allow your staff to do that as well. It all comes down to pricing fundamentally. And that may feel icky, and we might not really like thinking through that, but because we run, yes, we run businesses, we need money in order to do that. It's not always a fun topic. It's not the thing we like talking about, but we worry about it an awful lot. There are so many questions all the time about what I should price, how much I should charge. It's something we think about every single day. So why not make sure that it's working for us? so that our business is working for us and our business can do things and invest and encourage and make our clients feel amazing. We want to thank time to pet for making today's show possible. We've had a truly wonderful 2021 and we've really enjoyed watching you grow, expand, learn, and invest in your business this year. We are so excited for what you have in store for 2022 and we can't wait to hear from you. So thank you so much for listening. It's been an amazing year. We've got so much more planned for next year, and we are really looking forward to it. So have a wonderful, happy new year, and we'll talk to you soon.